Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes K-Fighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in one of two ways. Either you are at my blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you are in the most efficient way. You are on iTunes. Just enter Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and the show pops right up. So I'll go ahead and jump into it. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, and as I said, I'm trying to be more consistent. Uh, just had one week gap in here, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about some of the cards that went down. I'll start with Lion Fight. Uh, so first things first, I will break down the results, and then I will talk about the controversy with fighters not getting paid and so on afterwards. Uh, but go ahead from the bottom of the card. Um, Andrew Webb gets a victory over Jake Rozek. Uh, clinch was a difference here. They were definitely, uh, you know, some good spots in space. Uh, thought that Webb just did a little bit better in the clinch, and he had some distance striking that got him the advantage. Um, the next fight in the card, the next two fights are biased. These are two of my fighters. So I'll just go ahead and just give you, first of all, grateful that my fighter Anthony Rouse and Delvin Nichols were able to get the victory. Uh Chris Lazaro was super tough, and he had some of the one of the sneakiest back elbows that I've ever seen of a guy who I fought or had to fight against. We saw it on film, and though we tried to game plan for it, he just did a good job of just kind of shooting it out of nowhere. Uh, but we uh, were able to win because we were able to score with uh, uh, good with the single kicks in space with the low kicks. Uh, we were able to evade returning kicks, and then we had an advantage in the clinch. Uh, but Chris was super tough and. We were grateful to get a victory over him. Super nice guy. Uh, and I'm telling you, the uh, elbow actually landed in round five. It did cut my guy a little bit on the lip. He's good now, but uh, it was a good shot. So good stuff there. Definitely proud of Anthony. Uh, hopefully get more good things to come from him. And then my heavyweight, Delvin Nichols. He fought Carl uh, Simu. Uh, excuse me. I was practicing it. I messed it up anyways. Carl Simon, Simon Utafu, Simon Utafu, big, strong guy, hitter. Uh, he didn't have like a lot of activity and that kind of helped us in the fight. Like he didn't throw a lot of shots when he did throw was serious, but Delvin was able to, uh, my guy's really tall, like six, seven, six, eight. Uh, he was able to use the paw jab. We were able to score a lot with single kicks. We were able to win with knees in the clinch and then elbows on the break. Um, just proud of Delvin, uh, First time that I've seen him look like himself in a while. Definitely good stuff there. Uh, glad that he got the victory. Next, shout out to uh, Justin Moss, who I matched when he was in glory kickboxing. He gets a victory over Damon Bell. Uh, they had a doctor stoppage after three. Justin... Um, showed up, showed out, good stuff for him. Uh, one of the more entertaining fights. Um, actually, in my head, I had these placed differently. Maybe I just didn't notice it because I was in the back. I actually thought the Desiree fight was next, but Desiree uh, Whitaker gets a victory over Alexis Asher. Very good fight. Good back and forth. Uh, I would say the difference in the fight, and I believe the scores were all 48-47 for Desiree. In the fifth, Desiree scored a sneaky high kick, and Alexis was able to recover from it and get back to work afterwards, but it was a strike that stood out, and that's what got her uh, the victory there, in my opinion. Very good stuff. Um, LT Nelson gets a stoppage victory, Dr. Stoppage, after round three uh, over Jose uh, Montelongo. LT is one of the most down-to-fight guys I've ever met in my life. Uh, he's a solid fighter. He's, you know, 
has gloves, <laughs> will travel. Uh, he's always down to fight. He always brings the war. Um, you know, whether you're sparring him or you're fighting him, this guy moves forward and he puts on a show. So good stuff there. And Stephen Walker is able to get a uh, split decision victory over Australian Jesse Estill. Uh, close fight could have gone either way, uh, but Stephen was able to get the victory. Good stuff there. So uh, to talk about the unfortunate news, basically what happened is after the card, St uh, Stephen Walker came out with a uh, uh, video interview or video announcement where he said he was no longer going to fight for Lion Fight anymore. Uh, he mentioned that he hadn't been paid in the past. He'd been given partial payment for some of his fights. He said that they were going to re-up. He showed the messages of him and Scott Kent, the owner, uh, asking for, hey, man, what am I going to get this pay? And then Scott say, hey, we'll re-up at this time. We'll re-up we'll re later. Uh, and then this fight card happened. And not only was he not fully reimbursed for his previous performances for Lion Fight, the last two or three fights, I think it was. Uh, he didn't get paid for this past one. So he announced that he was no longer going to be fighting for Lion Fight anymore. And uh, it's just disappointing because he really was a homegrown product there. A guy who I watched his debut, you know, and uh, he you know, started off with a, you know, a stoppage in his first fight, uh, went on to have great fights, went on to have K one of the one fight where he almost, I mean, what I would argue was the KO of the year when he did it. Um, Walker's dope. He's a really talented guy. It's super unfortunate. Uh, he's a good brother. A lot of you guys know that I'm a very Christian man, and I look for the opportunity to share my my love and my relationship with Christ with everyone. Uh, and, you know, respectfully, I know I run into people with different faiths or no faith. I still have love for them, and I share the message of Christ works on the cross. And uh, when Walker heard this, he asked if I would pray with him before the fight. And I thought it was a really cool moment. It's my first time really meeting him. So I was happy that he got the win. And then to turn around a few days later to see the message, I was really heartbroken. Uh, you never want that to happen to anybody. Combat sports is dangerous enough as is. So to imagine doing it and not getting paid, plus to not getting you know, your full reimbursement for the last two or three fights, it was tough to hear. Uh, you know, um, Jose uh, Montalango, his coach is the one who called me and asked if my guys were paid. I mentioned that they had both gone to check cash their checks like early, like the next day, not not thinking anything of it. So we they said that we might be the one only ones on the card to get paid. And that's unfortunate if that's true. Uh Maybe over time, this can get worked out. I know here in Texas, you have to get a bond, and then the bond will pay everybody out, and then you got to pay back the bond. I don't know if they have that in Vegas. We'll have to look into it. But I think the athletes should get paid uh, to do what they've done. And if not, man, Lion Fight 75, this might be the last one. Uh, also want to give a special shout-out to Bobby Peake, who, even if this doesn't happen, Bobby Peake did a lot for Lion Fight when they were going to go to Texas. He did a lot of work matchmaking and so on, and he wasn't reimbursed for it. And for this card, they had an opening. They were trying to fill a fight, and that's how my guy found out about it. We're usually a down-to-fight camp, and they mentioned the kid. Uh, nobody was trying to fight him. He's 135. He spent time in Thailand. We were down to fight him. Uh, it didn't end up working out. Out. But thanks to Bobby mentioning that fight, I called and I was able to make other fights happen. So definitely want to shout out to Bobby Peak, who's one of the good guys in um, Muay Thai, who's been doing great stuff in San Antonio, who's got his own promotion, uh, who, you know, he does good by people and he tries to move his prospects and definitely a lot of love and respect for, for Bobby, who's all been doing it for a long time. Uh, I wanted to mention him because even in this turmoil, he's another person that was hurt by it, but he still used it to push the opportunity. So shout out to uh, Bobby Peak for that. And Lion Fight, I do hope, you know, between Scott Kent and uh, 
uh, Scott. It's it's uh, there are two Scotts there. Um, I hope they work things out, and I hope that they're able to get the athletes their due. Maybe when the pay per view money comes in or something like that. But I hope that that this isn't the end of things. So we're gonna go ahead and move on to the. I was gonna save the one championship stuff, but we really should be finishing on the Badahari thing because that's the, the big event for this weekend. Um, but I'll go ahead and go to one championship. So I'll start with some of their day fights. Um, one championship's usually going to put on a good show. Uh, they uh, clearly this one, um, Dudenglek gets a victory over Kongsuk Fairtex, uh, and then Sir Youngluck uh, gets a victory over Black Panther, but if you want to talk about one championship, because of the way they do fighting, they have a modified Muay Thai. They don't have an extended clinch. The fighters are let, or they let the fighters know in advance, you are supposed to go out there and go for the kill. And I talked about it in one of my previous podcasts before. Is it good or bad for the sport that you put the responsibility on the athletes of saying, hey, your role or what you need to do to make this a successful opportunity for yourself is to go out there and fight for the kill. And it is something that some can do better than others, uh, but the understanding is out there. They don't give you an extended clinch. They want you to use your eight your eight weapons to try to kill each other and you know uh batman uh gets a you know ko victory over uh rung sak uh Tawan. that's kind of an example of what they're looking for punch punch stop it's there uh Sagen garm gets a victory over uh ployko uh ployko uh that was a um what was that i think that was the third there we go third is in the third round stoppage there then this card had a unusual amount of decisions like Yamad got a decision victory Patakoek got a decision victory uh Cameron got a decision victory it, they had a lot way more than I'm used to seeing um but I do want to have one fight of note that I really want to bring up uh Peshin Pear gets a victory over Lisa Burley KO punches they got something here uh again it's going to come down to how you you know you promote but uh, Petrum Pear really, really looked good against Lisa. It wasn't, I mean, it was, the fight was over with an hour and 30. The, the skill level was significant. And Lisa's had some, some solid outings on, on uh, one championship. But this particular night, it went to uh, Petrum Pear very, very clear. Clean, clean boxing work uh, to go with her, her Muay Thai game. Very, very solid victory. Definitely want to see how they move her moving forward. So then the fight that made the broadcast, um, Samilia Sundell gets a victory over Alicia Helena Rodriguez. Another example of strong offense, strong punch offense. She did a fantastic, fantastic job. She's already long. You know, the 18-year-old's already long. Champion at 17. This is her first fight, I think, since winning the title. But she's already long, and she already has a good clinch game and good body kick game. But the thing that made this one tough is she kept getting those long uh, boxing strikes, and it slowly broke Rodriguez down, broke Rodriguez down, and then she was able to close the distance and, you know, get some clinch and, uh, you know, boxing offense to get the stoppage as tough as they come. As tough as they come. Like, uh, I'm excited to see what more from her moving forward. Clearly, I want to see the Iman Barlow fight. Uh, I thought that that's what this fight was supposed to be. But awesome performance by Similia uh, and the young 18-year-old. She's got a huge future ahead of her. Can't wait to see what's coming forward. 
So once again, I have to talk about the unfortunate and Chatri uh, Sityantong has uh, made several comments this past week, kind of putting down other promotions. For example, he brings up uh, uh, the, he says that the UFC grappling is sloppy and the guys are not, you know, like his guys are all a bunch of world champions before they go to one championship. And he said that's why they have better fights. And uh, he mentioned this one in particular. He says, talking about K1, it's a tiny organization and the level is very low. That's why Takuru, the best fighter in K1, wants to leave and come to one championship. So when you hear stuff like that, it is extremely disappointing because I feel like if they work together, big things can happen, you know, and that's rise and k1 got together and they were able to make the big super fight between tension and takuru which is the most successful event in the history of kickboxing which was just last year and it did 25 million so it's like when you come together you can do successful things ratang and takuru in japan and tokyo dome would be awesome it would be it at its best but to work in Japan, you have to work with Japanese. You have to, you can't just go up there and just think you can rent out a venue and then everybody's going to show up. You know, they, they are all family. They're all friends. They're all connected. They all do shows together. You see a lot of the same refs. You see a lot of the same gyms. It, it, it's all united. So whenever these opportunities come up, uh, you know, to, ha to put on a big fight, Things have got to be put to the side. Even in boxing, you just watched it with Errol Spence uh, and uh, Crawford. Different promotions, things had to be put to the side for people to know how skilled these guys are, like for people to know who the best is. And it ended up being a great fight and did a lot of numbers. It was successful. Things have to be put to the side for that to happen. So I do not think that Ratang and Takuru anywhere other than Japan, makes the kind of money that it should be making. I just don't think it's that kind of a fight. Thailand, it's never, you're never going to make a big time financial gate in Thailand because the people are not used to paying the kind of money that Americans and Westerners put into combat sports. So even though you might get a full house, they won't be able to pay on, you know, per ticket enough to make the gate significant. For the gate to be significant, you have to have a successful show in a place where people will pay for combat sports. Um, I do not think that Takuru and Ratang, as big as they are, you know, especially, you know, with, I'd say Ratang is arguably the most popular Muay Thai fighter in the world right now. I think he has taken that from Sanchai. Um, despite all that, I don't think that it is to the benefit of anyone anyone to uh, separate yourself from the area that can make you the most money. And I don't think America can make this fight the most money. I truly, truly, truly believe that the best opportunity for them to make money, just my personal opinion, the best opportunity for glory to make, or excuse me, for one championship to make this fight significant special is in Japan because Takuru has got a built-in audience who will come out and see him and the fight's gonna be an absolute war. So for them to 
remove K1 from the equation, call them a tiny organization. If you think they're tiny, then you think Rise is tiny. And this is K1 that's been doing it for a long time. They put on consistent shows. They make a profit. Like they change their business model to make a profit. Um, for the, him to rule them out or call them small, I know he's just being a promoter. And that's what promoting is. It's, you know, hey, my show is the only show worth watching. If a promoter does that, I completely understand. But in this particular situation, I would rather they work together. And, you know, K1 came back with a comment talking about, hey, you know, it's just we are strength in continuing. Like our strength is the fact that we keep doing shows every single year. We keep providing combat sports opportunities uh, for our combatants. That's our strength. And they just did a $25 million gate last year, you know, so it's like, I would hope that they could put that to the side. I understand what Chatri's trying to do. Uh, as far as the level thing, there are that's just you know a promoter being promoter. There are a lot of guys in one championship right now that were stopped in K1. So it's just uh, don't. Uh, I understand what he's doing though. I understand a promoter's got to promote, but I would rather they work together and come together and put together the bigger opportunity that was that's available to them. So go ahead and finish the show with this glory card. Uh, I'm going to talk about mainly the main notables. Clearly, there are some, you know, uh, uh, undercard fights. But I want to talk and focus on the main card and a lot of the fights that are on the main card. Um, first of all, I'm going to start off with just Luis Tavares versus Bogdan Stoika. First of all, good to see Bogdan Stoika. He has been through it. Bogdan Stoika, I once thought between him and Andre, I thought that he was the more flash violent of the two i thought that andre stoika was like the more clean kickboxer technical found his offense consistently i thought bogdan was the more you know uh flash jumping knees spinning kicks that kind of ko guy uh and i actually thought that andre's work would help him to be more successful down the road bogdan was able to clean it up a little bit and he still had a lot of success uh he's still a very good fighter uh, but then, of course, you know, he fought 85. He was in the big K-1 tournament at that weight. It didn't work out for him. Um, moved around, and now here he is back in glory at light heavyweight. He's a talent. He's been in the game for a long time. He has fought a lot of the best guys in the world. It's good to see his name out there. And again, don't forget, in his prime, he had on a horrible car accident, and he had to kind of rebuild the body afterwards. So shout out to him for even being here. Luis Tavares, perfect example of perseverance. He was in glory in the first run, uh, had some losses, left glory, started working some of the, the, the European shows, the Dutch shows, built his brand back up, did a good job fighting in Holland, built his brand back up. Uh, Melvin Menhoff had that short-lived promotion, but it gave him a lot of opportunities. Um, great stuff, great stuff by him. Uh, Luis Tavares back in the title picture. Uh, this is going to be a good scrap at light heavyweight. I'm excited to see where it goes. Levy Rickers uh, against Martin uh, uh, Tupestra. We know Levy. Levy has been in the game for a while. Not necessarily a KO hitter, but in the right opportunity, he'll stop a guy. Uh, him and Martin should put on a pretty good scrap. And this is a qualifier for the uh, the eight-man tournament they're trying to put on in December. Stoyan Kaprovalinsky is going against Soren uh, Kalinuik. Uh, um we, we all know Stoyan. He is a solid veteran in glory. He's had title fight opportunities in the past. Good, clean kickboxer. He's been with Mike's gym for a really long time. Excited to see, you know, and again, those guys bounce 
bounce around gyms a lot right now in Holland's a big thing, but uh, he's a solid fighter, always fun to watch. Uh, him and Soren should put on a pretty good show. If Soren wants to really burst on the scene, this is the kind of win he's got to have. Uh, but Storian's going to be tough, and he's going to bring that complete kickboxing offense. Then we have Petch. Uh, you know, I remember people laugh because they don't say his full name. They've just been calling him Petch lately. But Pet Panamarung, uh, Kit Moon 9, is going to go against David Mejia for the featherweight title. Petch is going to be tough to beat at, at 143. Simple as that. 143 pounds, their featherweight. He's going to be tough to beat at that. So even if you're skilled and you're having your best day, Petch does a really good job of getting his offense off and suffocating your offense. I'd say it's his number one skill. He doesn't get into a lot of exchanges. Petch usually finds his offense and, you know, gets that left kick going, uh, finds boxing, uh, gets a head kick here, here and there. But mainly, he ties you up and he keeps you from getting your offense going. Petch is going to be tough to beat for a long time. Finally, we've got Badahari against Uka Jurjindel. Uh, in the main event, Bada, of course, last time he did not fight a few weeks ago. Uh, and I'm surprised they didn't remake that fight. But uh, they decided to go in this direction with Uku. Um, Badahari is still the biggest star in kickboxing. Ever. I still think he's the biggest star in the history of kickboxing. Still a talent. Still a legitimate draw. If he fights, people come to watch his fights. The Moroccan community comes to watch his fights. The Dutch kickboxing community comes to watch his fights. Uh, Uku has got an uphill climb, but he's talented and he's, you know, heavyweight. Uh, he's got some stoppages on his record. And, of course, you're going to try to challenge Badahari, uh, the mental. Like, hey, Badahari hasn't won in a long time. And I don't think he's won in glory ever. You know, just because of uh, injuries and, you know, um, uh, fights that have been overturned. And, you know, it's just it hasn't gone his way. He's gone through a really tough stre stretch. But he is still talent. And when he puts it together, he looks great. Uh, his, you know, uh, he's still, to me, one of the best kickboxers to build another kickboxer off of. If you look at some of his early K1 fights. Because his jab, low kick game, double jab, low kick, cross switch kick. He just did the basics so smooth, and he had KO power. So when it did come time to turn it up and to make it a fight, Badahari could make it a fight. So you're talking about an extremely talented guy. Uh, he's older. He's not what he was, um, but it doesn't mean he's not dope. He is still a good fighter, and this is a qualifier. I think this is an automatic qualifier for the eight-man tournament if he wins it. So hopefully he wins it and he stays injury-free. Um I will go ahead and wrap the show up there. Clearly, the Rico Asano fight's another one that I was going to bring up, but I'm going to keep that to the side and just leave this as is. I really, really, really want to focus on, hey, Badahari's fighting this weekend. It's usually a fun time no matter what. So if you get the opportunity to see that, go out and see that event. It should be awesome. Uh, to everybody else, um, God bless. Keep following this sport. I'll try to be regular. I promised I was going to do a Tiffany Van Seuss breakdown. I'm going to save that for next week. But I want to break down where she stands in history. Uh, but other than that, man, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I'm going to try to stay regular. I'm going to get back to my regular ways. There's a lot of, a lot of kick fighting going on, and I'm excited to see it. So God bless. Thank you for your time, and I hope everyone is well.